0: This was for all you W-2 earners out there who wanna quit your job in the next year and you've heard about wholesaling real estate. You're wondering, can I do this? Can I make $35,000 from doing a single real estate deal, 10X my W-2 income and then maybe even quit my job? Well, today we're gonna give you the step-by-step process that our guest, Chris Mignon took to actually make $35,000 by finding a rundown house, passing it off to an investor, and then making a finder's fee. So we're gonna get into that. If you've listened to us two or three times, please leave us a review. It helps us make more content to get you to financial freedom. I'm David Lecco I've created a process that's helped people close 10,000 deals in all 50 states that turned into the platform deal machine. And we've got Ryan over there. Say hi, Ryan. Howdy, everyone. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Haywood. He actually quit his job in 2019 when his sales manager cut his commissions Now, his wife was pregnant at the time, so he actually had to make some money, and he took a 14-day wholesaling challenge, made 8500 bucks, and he's done 400 deals since then.
1: The Deal Machine REI Podcast. Everything you need to know to get started in real estate investing.
0: So, I'm here to introduce you guys to our very special guest, Chris Mignon. How you doing today, Chris? Great. Thanks for having me. How did you make thirty-five thousand dollars by doing your first deal? It's just a it's quite a large number for the very first deal. You know, usually people make five thousand dollars and then they realize I can expand my profits on the next one.
2: Yeah, so it was a weird time. It was 2020. Um, I guess it was the Late spring, early summer of 2020, so it was a really strange time, and uh, we we got some people to start cold calling and texting for us, and uh, we got an out of state an out of state owner uh, who had a duplex and he didn't want it anymore, and he didn't really know what to do with it, and we got him to agree to a price, and we got him to agree to an assignable contract, and we were actually able to wholesale that um, off-market to an end buyer who never even saw the house until the day before the closing.
0: Wow. So first of all, you said you got people to cold call. Can you back up and tell us who exactly were they calling? We had pulled some lists. Uh, we were looking for non-order occupied.
2: We were looking for possibly, you know, pre-foreclosures. Um, But mostly at that time, we were looking for non-owner-occupied, and we were looking for uh, multifamily, two to four units.
0: Okay. This happened to be non-owner-occupied and multifamily. So non-owner-occupied, it just means that the person who owns it lives somewhere else, and this is an investment property that they got into from out of state. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Where did you pull the list? Uh, We were using PropStream at the time. Okay. Okay. And where did you find the people to cold call? We used one of the sites like Fiverr
2: Upwork, Upwork, um, one of those type of sites. And we found somebody that had good reviews
0: as a uh, cold caller for other real estate investors. Okay. Did you tell them what to say or did they already know what to say? They. Had, this guy actually had a script. He had his own okay. script. For it. Um, and we didn't really change it. There was no need to. Right. How much did it cost to have them cold call that list? And how big was the list? Um, He charged us by call.
2: Uh, He charged us by contact, not by call. Because we some of these contacts would have three or four phone numbers. Um, I think he was charging us $0.25 cents per contact.
0: And uh, we'd given him a couple thousand person list. It wasn't really that big. Maybe 2,000 okay. people. Were you investing where you lived? Or did you find some other neighborhood that you were pulling this list from? At that time, yes. Yeah. So we live in New York, and at that time,
2: this was in New York. We no, we no longer operate in New York. We operate uh, remotely in Alabama. Okay, why did you make the switch? Um, Alabama is everything. New York is not. So in- uh, I love. I live in New York. I love New York. Um, we have extremely high property taxes. Uh, we have horrible uh, laws in terms of landlord tenant. In the, the the laws are in the tenant's favor. Um, uh, we have, we're have we also a dual attorney area, so each each side of the transaction has their own attorney. And it becomes extremely problematic, especially for wholesaling, because the standard New York contract is uh, not assignable. And what happens is, if you do want to assign
0: a contract in New York, you have to get the seller's attorney to agree to a rider. Okay. First of all, the assignment, for those of you guys who don't know, means you're you know you're getting the house under contract and then you're not the one who buys it, right? That's why in wholesaling you don't have to have the money because you assign it to someone else who wants to buy it. So you're the middleman and you're making a finder's fee for being able to assign it to someone else.
1: So it's challenging in New York, but you did it. Was that first deal in New York? Yes. Okay. How did you find your buyer? Um,
2: I am, so I have my license up here and, uh, I work out of a really big office that there's a bunch of agents and they have lots of contacts. I already was pretty connected with some people. So we had a buyer's list. And then I, in addition to our buyer's list, I put it out to my office and all these other agents have buyer's lists. Um, and that's actually who ended up buying it was, uh, a buyer that was, uh, one of these other agents. Great. Yeah. Agent outreach.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's huge. All right. Well, you really it sounds like charged ahead to get this done. So you must have been motivated for some reason. Like what was driving you so hard that you were so confident in doing this strategy and getting this done? So um yeah, I was I had a I had a little baby at home. Um
2: I had a wife who was working part-time while she was still going to school to get her RN, uh, And I was getting very close to quitting my job and knew that I had to make some more money so it would make the transition of getting out of my career a
0: little easier. Tell us about that job you wanted to quit so badly. <laughs> uh, so I was a Union Glazer in New York City. Uh, what that
2: means is um, we basically installed... Uh, the windows that you see on the high rises. So I worked at, I worked at every building at the World Trade Center,
1: around um, the Hudson Yards. All these really like mega tall structures. So essentially, you took giant sheets of glass up really high in the air. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the
0: first time I actually heard about that union job that hangs the glass, and it's called a, a glazier. Glazer, yes. Oh, glazer. So that, yeah, that sounds like really dangerous. Is that why you wanted to quit? You had a new baby at home? Um,
2: no, um, it really wasn't that. It was really, um, so I live about 40 miles outside of New York city, which, um, could take anywhere from 40 minutes to two and a half hours each way every day. And, uh, it usually tended to, uh, (laughs) take closer to the two and a half hour mark
0: each way. Um, and I was done. I just couldn't do it anymore. The, the commute was, uh, oh yeah. The commute sounds, that's all four hours. You had a great podcast like this, but we weren't around back then. So
1: we get a new job. Dude, just curious. I know this isn't like super helpful, but what would you fill your time doing in that commute? The last, the last year or two, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of books and I learned a lot of real estate stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can say I did the exact same thing. It's actually kind of funny that the last maybe 6 months, like the more uncomfortable I was getting in the W2 job is when I started like in my brain I was like, "You know what? I'm checking out, like started listening to bigger pockets while I'm working." And that was like the fuel to like take that step. Like, "Okay, well other people are doing this, I can do this," you know? So, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, I don't want to, um,
2: hopefully my old boss doesn't hear this, but the last few months I was, I'd be in the shanty
0: printing out letters to, uh, uh, to mail out to people to try to buy their house, half the day. Wait, talk to me about that. You were writing letters while you were on the job? Yeah, so the last couple on of years, years that I was on the job, I, um, yeah, so I ran the company that I worked for the
2: last couple of years. Um, I worked up to, to becoming the superintendent and run, running the business, essentially. Um, and yes, I had a template that I would use for uh, sending letters out. I was not handwriting them. Um, I would just swap out the
0: name and the address. And then uh, what I would do, though, is I would handwrite the... Okay, got it. So that way they'd be more inclined to actually open it. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of time-consuming to put together letters. How long did that take?
2: Uh, I mean, some days I'd be in there for four or five hours and... Um, but I was able to do it, uh, so I really hope my old boss doesn't listen to this. I uh, hope you actually got a call. Did you get <laughs> you guys for on the job? I got, a, I got a couple. Yeah, I get some calls. Um, I don't think, off the top of my head, I don't think any of those ever panned into deals. But I also didn't have any kind
0: of uh, system or you know follow up system mm-hmm. in place at all. Gotcha. Hey guys, if you know you want to quit your job in the next three months make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because we've got some incredible frameworks with step-by-step instruction that you're not going to want to miss. Also, leave us a rating and review to let us know your favorite parts and why you want to get financial freedom. So, all right, you have this job, it's risky, but that doesn't bother you. You just know you need to make some more money now that you've got more mouths to feed at home and you want to provide for your family. So you must have felt pretty jacked whenever you got thirty five thousand dollars, you know, from doing this first wholesale deal. Like, what did you do next? Um, just immediately started spending more money on marketing. Okay. Th- does that mean you were sending more of your letter templates, or did you like what? Did you do more cold callers?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we started doing more calling. Um, we we started texting. Um, which in the beginning we were we were doing ourselves, which was horrible um, I have a business why was it so horrible uh it's just so time- consuming uh it's a full-time it's a full-time job were you texting with your cell phone one by one no we we luckily we immediately started using the launch control uh, okay so we got lucky that we did pick a good platform that has lasted That's to the test of time so far mm-hmm. so far yeah mm-hmm. um that was
0: about Two years ago, like a little more than two years ago, I guess. Yeah, and is that still your primary marketing method now? Is texting? Uh, no, it is. It does provide us with um, the highest percentage of our leads,
2: um, but we're also doing Google Ads, uh, pay per click. We're doing direct mail. Um, we do a little bit of
0: paper lead. Um, we've kind of done everything except television. Okay, got it. Well, how did you get the second deal, and how much did you make on that? So the second deal was was a,
2: it was number two and number three together. It was uh, also from a landlord that was burnt out, and um, he actually had non-paying tenants. And we took the contracts, and we tried to negotiate cash for keys with the tenants. Um, again, this was in late. 2020. Um, and it's, I'm sure it was the same everywhere in the country, but in New York, uh, you couldn't make people, you know, you couldn't get people out at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So we offered a lot of money to these people to leave and they both said, no, um, they didn't want to leave. So we ended up assigning those contracts to another investor. Got it. And at what point did you know it was time to quit your job? Um, when my job started to get in the way of,
0: um, deals, trying. Yeah. Yeah. How much money had you made at that point though? Not a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um,
2: not a whole lot. I was lucky. I had a good job that I, that I made a good living at and I'm pretty
1: smart with my money. So, um, I wasn't going into it broke. Um, can I ask, is it too personal to ask what, what did you make as a glazier? It's dangerous. So
0: you're gonna get paid a lot.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, the, see, there's also benefits, right? There's retirement packages and and medical benefits and all these things. But it was. Um, I, I
0: made upwards of two hundred thousand dollars a year. That's amazing. I love knowing those jobs are out there. I'm curious. Okay, so like, how much? Uh, just picture somebody is like wanting to, you know, picture themselves quitting their job in the next year. Like, yeah. what do you think they need to accomplish in order to to like feel comfortable quitting their job and doing this full time? Sure.
2: So I would definitely, you know, if at all possible, have some kind of a nest egg set aside that you know you're going to be able to pay your bills for a couple, of, a few months. Mm-hmm. That you're not be so worried about paying your bills that it's going to take away from your focus on building your business. Mm-hmm. If you, if that's possible for you, please get some money put together on the side
0: so you're not stressing out about that. Amazing, especially if you have a new baby.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So wife, if. if do you think if you had a dry spell and you had to go back to work, uh, could you have gotten another job that paid similar? It's similar, yeah. Um, but cool. um, I yeah. Didn't want to do that was cool. I didn't want to do that. No, you doubt, You never want to do that, right? So you said your biggest failure, though. You've done 20 wholesale deals, and you switched to uh, wholetailing. What, what is wholetailing, by the way? Oh, Wholesaling is... It, Very similar
2: to wholesaling. The big difference is that you actually close on the property. You actually take possession and buy the property. And the difference is generally um, we'll go in there and clean them up a little bit. Uh, We're not doing any kind of heavy rehab to them. Maybe we're, uh, like we have two right now that have dumpsters out front. We're just junking them out, cleaning them up. Uh, Sometimes it could be doing a couple of minor repairs so that the property becomes financeable. So you don't have to sell it to an investor. Uh, we do both.
0: We sell, we sell these things to investors as well as so, to uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an advanced strategy, right? Once you have enough cash to actually buy it yourself, you might be able to sell it for hire by listing it in front of more buyers on the actual MLS. So um, that's kind of cool to put in your back pocket if you're learning about wholesaling. You also said your biggest mistake was doing a flip and you lost $25,000
1: flipping. How did that happen? How and when in the process did that happen? That's the big question. Like, How far along into your journey?
2: Yeah, so that was about... um, I I think I closed on that one in November of last year. So a little over a year ago. So I got caught in the market shift after the rates exploded. Mm -hmm. Um, I was under contract to buy the house. That period uh, went went way long because of some issues with title. Um, By the time I closed on the property when i bought the property um rates had started uh going up really uh i guess it was late spring um and that was right when rates jumped up and by the time i got the thing on the market rates had doubled from the time i bought the house and um where the property was it just they just there weren't it there really weren't any buyers was that in alabama or new york no that was in new york that was the last deal i did
0: in new york and it'll be the last deal i do in new york. if I, yeah. And if I had to guess, though, that New York prices fluctuate a lot more than prices in Alabama. Yeah, yeah, because it's such a higher um, price point. So yep. especially when rates jump like that, it just has such a larger effect on the uh, affordability of the home. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people who are trying to quit their job stick with wholesaling because it's less risky. You're not putting money up yourself that you could get bit from a situation like that. Um, talk to us about... Now that you've built this business, like what's real estate allowed you to do uh, that you weren't able to do maybe working probably strict hours, right? As a union worker. Yeah, I mean, I spend a ton more
2: time with my family. I have a five-year-old daughter and an eight-month-old daughter. So, uh, you know, jujitsu, dance class, theater class. I'm like, um, you know, it's daddy daycare over here. So I get to spend a ton of time with my kids and my wife. And um, it's also let me
0: focus on other things that I want to focus on, like um, my health and my fitness. That's amazing. So you've got, speaking of fitness, Arnold Schwarzenegger behind you, and you're doing a natural bodybuilding show. I'm personally interested in this because I just prepped for nine months and did my first show last weekend. So what's motivated you to spend so much time making your life literally harder on purpose (laughs) for no good reason? It, well, you get it because you just did it. Um,
2: so yeah, I, I need to have goals. I need to have like um, things that I'm striving for that I don't necessarily think I can actually achieve. My whole adult life, I've I've uh, pursued things that I didn't think I'd be able to do, and then I've done them, and and it's propelled me into it. Effect, you know, it positively affects every aspect of my life. So um, for me, setting personal goals that are maybe a little further off than I actually think are possible. Um,
0: it helps me in all areas of my life, including business. How so? Tell me more about that. I get it, but I get asked a lot. So I want to hear how you would explain this. Sure. So
2: like I've noticed just through trial and error of being a human being and, and living my life is um, when I'm not striving for something, when I don't have a clear and specific goal that I'm trying to achieve, I, I lack purpose and lack accountability and i lack motivation and when i do that i sort of just spin my wheels um so whenever i do something i'm I'm always i'm always setting another goal after that i'm always striving to achieve something else and the point isn't actually achieving it you know i i I don't know how you did in your show like but for me it's like sure i want to win um but it's about getting on stage and trying to be the best version of myself possible it's not about
0: winning it's it's just getting up on the stage and, and doing it is the win. 100%. Uh, well, since you asked, I, I did not do a natural-only show, and the guys next to me were twice as big, even though it was men's physique, which is the, the the least muscular class. I'm a winner in here, though, Chris, and that's what I remember. I had a lot of fun doing it, and the, the discipline of, uh you know, like when I'm nailing my diets, when I'm nailing my workouts, which I do every time because I just fall into these routines and it feels really good. I I have little patience for other areas of my life that aren't performing at as high of a level. When I can see the excellence over here, it kind of helps me want to make other things better. So that's why I like it too. Did you use a coach? Yes, made it extremely easy because that's like buying discipline. If you paid it, written the check, and you know he's coming at the certain time, then it's easy than just committing to yourself and making up an excuse not to go in the morning. Yeah. No, I agree. I, not everybody can be David Goggins and have the accountability
2: mirror all the time. Sometimes uh, some of us need other people to help us with the accountability.
0: 100%. Well, I'm super excited. I definitely want to follow along. I hope that you post about your bodybuilding at Chris Mignon Real Estate. Is that your handle where you'll be posting yeah. bodybuilding stuff too? Yeah, I'll, pu- I'll put it up there too. Okay, cool. So it's at Chris, M-I-G-N-O-N-E. And uh, Ryan, I'm just
1: curious, do you have any other questions? As we wrap up, I the the one last thing I would I want to ask is the transition from wholesale to wholesale did it increase profits or is it has has it been about equal?
2: It's increased profits. It's increased deal flow. Um, it's increased the sustainability of the business. Um, the thing is, you have to. Uh, the difference is that you either have to have a whole bunch of money, or you have to get good at raising raising money.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. you know that's transactional funding.
2: Yeah, whether it's transactional or some kind of hard money, or you know, I'm a big proponent of raising private money. Mm-hmm. Um, but wholesaling is a great way to get experience, so that you can bring these deals to possible investors down the line, where you yeah. can say, "Hey, here's this body of work that I have, and this is what I do, and this is what I want to do." And, um, you know,
0: give me your money and I'm going to make, I'm going to make your money, make you money. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Great question too, Ryan. That's the podcast guys. Chris, I really appreciate you being with us here today. I can't wait to see how you do in your show and best of luck prepping. Hope you enjoy that weight cut. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys, uh, leave us a review. If you got any value from this podcast, it helps us make more content to get you to financial freedom and we'll see you on the next one.
1: Thanks for listening to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.